Chapter 2. Summary. Your head looks like an egg with mold growing on it, Sokka said by way of a good morning. Sokka was surprised to wake up. Not because he thought he would be murdered in his sleep, although he supposed that might have been a distinct possibility. He was surprised he had fallen asleep at all. The fear of what he would see behind his closed eyes and the unpleasant squirming in his belly had kept him awake even after Zuko seemed to have fallen into a doze, leaning against the far wall. But exhaustion must have caught up with him eventually. He hadn't dreamed. Perhaps his brain had just been pushed to its limits by the events of the previous few days and shut down. He couldn't blame it. Yawning, he rubbed at his face. Sleeping hadn't done much to dispel the horror of yesterday, but there were other pressing matters to deal with. Like, where in the world was he? He could feel the motion of the ship beneath him. It was very different to water tribe ships, with the humming and clanking of the engines. He kind of wished he could get a look at one of them, see how they worked. There must be a good application for them, something useful, rather than this stark and stifling murder boat. Mostly, however, he wished he had some boots or even socks. His feet were freezing. He looked at them, wiggling his toes in an effort to get some blood moving. They were dirty, smeared with soot and other things. He closed his eyes to fight back a twist of nausea. He missed his sister. And oh, spirits, Katara! Was she even alive? Was she hurt? Was she worried? Of course she would be worried. They probably thought he was dead. A new feeling lodged in his chest, somewhere between panic and despair. It was so intense it threatened to overcome him. Hadn't she lost enough? She had to lose him too? Shit, he didn't even know who'd won the battle. He assumed the Water Tribe had. Seeing as if they'd lost, there would have been a great deal more insufferable gloating from mutton chops. Opposite him, in his own cell, Zuko suddenly jerked awake, tense and wild-eyed as he took in his surroundings. There was a light dusting of dark stubble coming in over his scalp. It looked stupid. Stupider than normal. Your head looks like an egg with mold growing on it, Sokka said by way of a good morning. Shut up, water rat, Zuko grunted back. Or what? Zuko lifted his manacled arms and let rip a small burst of flame. Sokka pulled back into his own corner, scrabbling against the metal floor, but no more fire was forthcoming, and even that effort had left Zuko looking exhausted. Clearly, he was low on fire juice. Thirsty, Sokka said, pretending he hadn't flinched, and perhaps tempting fate just a little. He was just glad to have something else to focus on, rather than the new feelings of endless panic over his sister, which added a new, unhappy layer to the fear that still hadn't left him after Zhao's little power play yesterday. Spirits. His mind was a mess. Being a very predictable person, Zuko scowled at him and turned his face pointedly away. Arsehole. Sokka eyed his clothes again, white, and while he was stripped to his undershirt, his pants looked warm, like they were made for the cold like they were made to blend in with the snow. There was a strong possibility he was wearing white for camouflage, which meant he had been involved in the fight somehow. Zuko? he asked. Zuko cut his visible eye at him. Prince Zuko. Sokka resisted sticking his tongue out. Sometimes you had to be nice if you wanted something. So be nice. He grit his teeth. Prince Zuko, if I ask you something, will you answer me? Zuko turned back to look at him. 
That depends on what it is. He shifted, straightening his spine and tucking his feet under him. Clearly, Sokka wasn't the only one with cold toes. Information. About what happened at the North Pole. Zuko seemed wary, but he wasn't saying no. Sokka considered trying a winning smile, but he suspected that would have the opposite effect to the one he was aiming for. Are you going to give me something in return? Zuko asked, not unreasonably. That depends what it is, Sokka shot back. He was not doing very well at the asking politely thing. He just really didn't want to be nice to a murdering ash maker. Not today. He took a calming breath. Uh, my sister. Was she... Do you know if she's alive? If she's okay? Zuko looked at him for a moment, assessing, and surprisingly, not scowling. I saw her. She, uh, froze me to a wall. And then later, I think she knocked me out. He scratched awkwardly at the stubble on his head. She was very angry and very much alive when I last saw her. As far as I know, the Fire Nation retreated after that, so I see no reason she should have been hurt. The relief was almost as dizzying as the fear had been. Thank you. I... Thank you. Sokka took a few deep breaths. Zuko nodded. He looked a little perplexed. Sokka waved a hand at him, momentarily distracted by trying to get his own feet tucked against his body to warm up. I owe you one. Ask. I'll answer if I can. As long as it wasn't about anything too important. But there was only ever going to be one question, wasn't there? Do you know where the Avatar is? Sokka sighed out through his nose, long and deep. Seriously? As far as I know, he's still in the North Pole, driving his waterbending master up the wall. I probably know less than you do. Do you know where he's going? Sokka scrubbed his dirty hands down his face. Look, Zuko, real talk. Firstly, if I knew, I wouldn't tell you. Secondly, when confronted with the war and the impending doom of a fiery death at the hands of the fiery Fire Nation, he took a detour to play with hopping llamas. Llamas, Zuko. They spit and they smell. I don't care how bouncy they are. They're awful and no help with the aforementioned fiery dome situation. He could be going anywhere. I really have no clue. Zuko blinked. Llamas? Llamas. That hop. The prince's expression was both puzzled and pondering. Llamas aren't so bad, he said after a moment. They're very fluffy. Then apparently realizing they're very fluffy was an actual sentence to come out of his mouth, he looked momentarily panicked. They make good wool. For coats, he added, as if that made it better. Sokka stared at him. Well, if I ever see Yang again, I'll ask him to let you know where to find them, and you can go make coats. Or whatever, he added slowly. Zuko went a little pink under the bruises. Are we done with this? He snapped. Ah, a return to the regular array of scowls. Normality had returned and all was right with the world. They lapsed into a long, uncomfortable silence. Sokka didn't like quiet. It gave him far too much time for thoughts and feelings. And right now? Those were public enemy number two, right after the entirety of the Fire Nation. And, just to add insult to injury, he was hungry, starving even, and desperate for a drink. He and the other prisoners had been given a cup of water each before being brought up on the deck. Had that been a mercy? Or a piece of fool's gold to let them think they would live? Yesterday, he was pretty sure he would never want to eat again. 
but now it looked like his body was determined to keep trying to survive, despite the horrors he had witnessed. He wasn't entirely sure what to think about that. Wanting food, where there was literal blood staining his feet. He wasn't even sure whose blood it was, and he wasn't sure that mattered. Why was he alive when they weren't? The answer was obvious. He was the Avatar's companion, and Zhao was hoping to use that. But there was still a nagging feeling there had been a mistake, and he should have died with the rest of his people. It didn't feel real. It was like yesterday, with all the blood and the horror, had belonged to someone else. It was something that had happened to someone else. Except it had happened to him. The anger returned, this time facing inwards. Who was he to cry about watching people die? You know who had really suffered? The dead. The people who were never returning to their families. The men who had given everything and hadn't even been granted a death worthy of them. Mumak, old enough to be his grandpa, who had helped him with his armor and told him he looked like a man, who had pounded him on the back hard enough to almost knock him off his feet, and who had been proud of him for his choice to join a stupid suicide mission. And Sokka had felt proud, with an elder praising him. He had felt like he was doing something important. For what? Mamak was dead. So were the other men. And it was just him. Alive, alone, and terrified like a child. It was unbearable. So much so, when the door swung open and a soldier walked in, Sokka was relieved to have something to take his mind off it. Even though a Fire Nation officer was almost certainly not going to be a good thing. At least it was something else, and not just him buffeted in the maelstrom of his own thoughts. The soldier was perhaps in his late twenties, black-haired and clean-shaven, with what might have passed for a handsome face if he hadn't looked so smug and arrogant. It was an ugly expression on him. "'Your Highness,' the soldier said, as he stepped close to the bars, smirking at Zuko. There was clearly some bad blood there. Big surprise. Zuko didn't respond to the taunt in the words, other than to narrow his eyes, a remarkable show of restraint that clearly wouldn't last. Running his gaze over the soldier's hateful red uniform, Sokka noticed he was holding two tin mugs. A lot could be forgiven if they were going to be given water. Just the thought of it sent the thirst clawing the back of his throat so hard he burned with it. Perhaps sensing his desperation, the soldier's amber eyes settled on Sokka and his lip twitched up. Thirsty little rat? he asked. Sokka said nothing. He wouldn't give this animal the satisfaction. But deep in the back of his mind, he wondered just how long he could hold out. He needed water, and he needed it soon. The man laughed lightly and turned the barrel against the far wall, dipping and filling each cup. Water for you, he said mockingly as he set one down outside the bars of each cell. Sokka's eyes locked onto it. He wanted it, but he wasn't going to reach for it. Not with that smug hog monkey watching. He would wait to see if the soldier got bored with taunting them. Spirits, he hoped he would just leave. I won't forget this, Lieutenant Rowe, Zuko said, making Sokka jump. He'd been so absorbed and not lunging for the water, he'd forgotten the prince was even there. Zuko stood, but didn't move towards the bars. And you'll answer for it, he said. His voice was a dry rasp, but somehow, despite his battered, dirty, and unkempt state, he managed to sound imperious. Lieutenant Rowe raised a dark eyebrow. Someone will, your highness, but it won't be me. He bent to place some sort of flat biscuity item on top of Sokka's cup. He very pointedly did not add one to Zuko's. Enjoy your last days, traitor, he said, 
with a very nasty smile. Zuko glared. Dismissed, he said, turning away like Ro was a servant not worthy of his attention. Sokka had to give it to Zuko. For someone who didn't appear to be very bright, he sure knew how to get under people's skin. Ro's face slowly turned an interesting shade of red and contorted into an unsettling expression of hate. He looked like he might want to get his incineration on, and Sokka edged backwards, just in case he was a bender and actually did try to set Zuko on fire. Sokka couldn't really blame him for the impulse, but he didn't want to get caught in the crossfire. With an apparent effort, Ro seemed to get control of himself and smiled tightly. It was not a kind expression, and all the hair stood up on Sokka's arms. There was something about this man that rang all sorts of alarm bells he didn't even know he had. And he wished to every spirit he knew, even the ones he didn't believe in, that Zuko would stay silent and the man would just go away. Thankfully, today, they were listening. "'As you wish, your highness,' Ro said, mockery dripping from his words as he made his way towards the door, slowly, not looking back. Sokka realized he was shaking. He couldn't put his finger on what had upset him so much, but he was pretty certain, given a chance, that man would hurt them both and enjoy every moment of it. "'Another one of your fan club?' he asked Suko, just to break free of the fear that was clutching at his limbs, keeping them curled against his chest. Zuko grunted, still facing the far wall, and glaring at it like he wanted to set it on fire. Sokka shrugged. He shook himself free of the lingering fear and unfolded his stiff legs, heaving himself up to snatch his cup and food through the bars. Sitting back, he took a long sip from his mug. The water was stale, but it was cool and wet and felt like the best thing he had ever put in his mouth. He wanted to gulp it all down, but he held back and instead examined his biscuit. It was a flattish, dull beige disc, and felt like a bit of wood in his hands. It was distinctly unappetizing. Leaving it be for the time being, he watched as Zuko seemed to wrestle with himself for a moment, before he tossed his head, causing his bedraggled hair to flop ridiculously, and moved to retrieve his own cup. Ro had helpfully left Zuko's mug just out of comfortable reach, so he had to stretch through the bars to grab it. He winced a little as he did so, like the motion pained him. Sokka figured he probably had injuries that matched the bruises on his face under his shirt. He himself had come through the battle, such as it had been, with only minor bumps and scrapes. Shocking, really, but useful. He would be in good shape to make his escape when the time came. Zuko lowered himself back to his favorite spot against the far wall, and took a long drink from his cup before he returned to his usual occupation of scowling at everything like it had just insulted his mother. Sokka ignored him for the moment and went back to inspecting his food. He thought it was supposed to be food. He attempted to snap a bit off, but it refused to break. He was weak with hunger and exhaustion, but he wouldn't be defeated by food. He just wouldn't. He glared at it and tried again to split the blasted thing, grunting with the effort. Stupid biscuit. He considered chucking it against the wall or stamping on it, but resisted the show of temper and instead centered himself and tried again, and again, until eventually, perseverance went out and it snapped into two jagged pieces. Now victory had been achieved, he was still unsure how to eat the cursed thing. Even the broken edge was still as hard as rock. He noticed Zuko shooting little glances at it, and Sokka felt a burst of indignation, like he could do any better. But when the sneaky looks were not followed up with mockery, 
Even when Sokka gave him the stink eye, he realized his interest indicated something else. Zuko was probably just as hungry as Sokka was. This left Sokka with a moral quandary. He didn't know when more food would be forthcoming, and he didn't really want to feed a bloody ashmaker. But Zuko had given him a small kindness earlier, and he deserved one back. Sokka sighed, resigned, shifting himself forward slightly. He held a piece between the bars that separated them. Zuko stared at it like it was a wild bat snake, good eye wide with confusion. You want it or not? Sokka asked, exasperated. Perhaps it wasn't edible after all, and this was some big joke on the water tribe savage. Why? Zuko asked, still looking perplexed. Why are you giving it to me? It's food, isn't it? Sokka asked. That's actually a serious question, because I have doubts. It seems more like something you might use to slate a roof. Zuko rolled his eyes. It's food. Why are you giving it to me? And thanks. Take it and we're even. The llamas weren't an equivalent exchange. Zuko pondered this for a moment, but then gave a sharp nod and shuffled closer to reach a hand out to take it. He seemed mildly surprised when Sokka didn't snatch it away. Sokka decided he felt better for sharing. He didn't like the thought of owing Zuko for something. Satisfied, he stuck the biscuit in his mouth and attempted a bite. It was so hard he thought he felt a tooth crack. He withdrew it and glared with a betrayal. What is this stuff? It's not food, he moaned, and so what if his voice had reached a plaintive sort of wail? He was completely justified. Zuko snorted. Try dipping it in your water to soften it first, he said. Sokka watched as the prince did as he suggested and dunked his half-biscuit in this cup, letting it rest there for a while before lifting it to his mouth. Dubiously, Sokka did the same. You eat the stuff often? Zuko shrugged. When times are hard. Sokka tried nibbling on the soggy end of his biscuit. There was an improvement in the texture, but it tasted like ashes. The Fire Nation suffering from a famine no one mentioned? He asked, wincing as the stuff coated his tongue. Zuko stuck his back in the cup. It's hardtack, water tribe. I lived on a ship for three years. It's what you eat when everything else is gone. I would have jumped overboard, Sokka grumbled. He missed meat. Not as much as he missed his sister or his freedom, but it was still high up the list. He missed all food that wasn't this. Even the little round nuts Aang liked to snack on were better than this food travesty, and those were bitter and oily to eat. Zuko sneered a little, the motion pulling the scab on his lip unpleasantly. And then you would have drowned, which is worse than eating ship's biscuit. Only just... Zuko shot him an amused glance over the top of his mug, and Sokka marveled at the new expression. When it gets really bad, even hardtack can get infested, and you have to dip it in heated water to make the weevils come out before you eat it. Spirits above and below! I don't want to know! Sokka whined. He inspected his biscuit again, this time for signs of life, but there didn't seem to be anything moving in it. He wasn't sure how anything could get far enough into its impenetrable surface to infest it anyway. The stuff was as solid as a lump of clay. Do you eat the weevil tea after? he asked. Gross, no. Zuko looked suitably disgusted, which was pleasing. Just checking. They dipped and chewed for a while. The food was helping settle Sokka's stomach and his mind, despite the unpleasantness of the taste. A thought occurred to him as he washed his last mouthful down with a little of the now slightly crummy water. Hey, Zuko, do you even know my name? 
Zuko looked at him, blank-faced as he swirled his nasty hardtack in his own cup. Appa? He said after a moment. Appa? Appa's the bison! Sokka yelled, appalled. Oh, I thought the flying cow thing was Momo. Flying cow? Sokka's voice hit an impressive and embarrassing high note. The worst thing was, he couldn't tell if the jerk was joking or not. Did he even know how to joke? Zuko's face was impassive as he chewed on his disgusting biscuit thing. Not a twitch. Sokka let out an aggravated sigh. It's Sokka. Sokka. Two syllables, easy to remember. Right, Zuko said, still chewing. He was either really dumb or secretly hilarious, and Sokka couldn't even begin to tell which it was. Arsehole, he said with feeling. Zuko smirked.